0: Welcome back to the In The Dome Podcast.
1: Welcome back. We're back. And we're, we're in a new location right in a now, new so it's a little setting. weird. So, so if we sound weird, that's why. If it sounds <clears> different <throat> than usual. You know what's weird, though? Like, as soon as we turn the mics on, I have a little bit of a different personality, and I don't like it. Well, it's called your mic personality. It's creepy. I don't like it. Okay. You know what? Let's just get into this. Okay. Well, you were there. Let's first oh, off. Oh, God. Atmosphere. Fill us in. Atmosphere. Well, Walking to the game, it was terrible out. If you're talking about the physical atmosphere, almost slipped many times. But the atmosphere was, there was way less Warriors fans than than the first one. Really? Interesting. It, was weird. it seemed like they were louder to me. Because I was in the exact same spot I was for the last game. <clears throat> and there was way less of them, which was nice. It was a treat. They did, they were, there There must have been a vocal minority down in the lower bowl. Yeah, because it seemed louder. Yeah. And they, they did have like the Riddick, Riddick chant going. Oh, I didn't hear that. Oh, it's like you can't even do anything. So the atmosphere was a little less crazy for sure, even though there was way more antics. Um, yeah, there was plenty of antics. Eh? I think they, I think they kind of cooled down because it was like, because like, that that was the that was the first one, right? The December twenty seventh one, like that was the first battle of Alberta of the year. Yeah. So it was gonna be when wild, Chucky, regardless. Charlie, Cassie and yeah. That. So I think that was probably a reason. Um, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like as wild as you think, and the flames were terrible, so that definitely didn't help the home atmosphere. So but I mean what are you going to do they they almost it seemed like they were going to make a game of it there. most people were leaving until the goalie fight like we were like let's go because it was snowing out and shit right and then shit hit the f- <laughs> shit hit the fan and everybody kind of stuck around but yeah it, w- it wasn't as crazy but but still a pretty good atmosphere to be at again it was it was kind of a perfect ratio of Oilers fans because there was a few of them but not so many of them so yeah. it was alright was, and was there any other fights other than that line brawl well could yeah no Chuck and, uh, well, Buddy Robinson fought. Um, oh, yeah, right. Who, who did he fight? I just, there's so many weird players on the Oilers. I, I never really know who's on their team. I feel like like they have so many like weird random guys. It's like always a weird amalgamation of like, wait, who? Who is that? Gaetan Haas? Oh, yeah, so, so Buddy fought Jujar Kara. Oh, yeah, Kara fought him, yeah. In the first period, late and in the, the first okay, period. Okay, so that was actually, of all of the hijinks and shenanigans, Jujar Kara is a bit of a fuckhead. Yeah. 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 So he kind of like did the whole stupid wrestling movie move on Buddy, kind of pinned him to the ground or whatever. Yeah. And he kept punching. I was more mad about that than anything. What a dick. Screw you, Jujar. Screw you. So the the fights happened in the last minute of the second period. Yeah. And it was weird. You
0: you were going to leave for the whole third period. We were going to leave because
1: it was really bad. Like it was, we almost died on the way home, I may add. Um, but it was really snowy out, so we're like, "Shit, we better get home." But then, all the shit went down, and it was weird. I've never, I don't think this has ever happened, not in the modern day, anyways, where they stopped playing because there was 24 seconds left on the clock. I know what it was last, so weird. It was the last time I seen don't that. think I've I've never seen that ever in my life. So very weird. Anyways, like, I don't know, man. Like the Flames. The other thing with the atmosphere too is like pregame, pretty good. But the Oilers scored 30 seconds in, and then they scored again a minute and 30 in, so it like killed all of the energy in the building. Yeah. So. Okay, well we'll get down to
0: breaking that breaking that down. Um the other question I had for you if you cuz you were at both home games. Yeah. If you were to compare the atmosphere with the whole kachuk Cassian battle
1: with the whole Line Bob battle, same? No, the Kachuk, the first game was way was way more nuts. Do you think it's cuz we were actually winning? I think it was cuz we were winning. I think it was because of the first game of the season. And I think it was because it was it just, was Kachuk. It was opening up the can of worms. Yeah, and exactly. is now The battle of and the game was close. It was a highly contested game. Like at that yeah. point, it was I think it was six three. It was like the game's already out of hand. Yeah. So the the first game was definitely I don't know. It felt more intense, anyways. But okay. I don't know. It was such a letdown of a game. Like the flames were so bad. Yeah, you know what? The
0: Oilers were good though.
1: At the you same know what? Time. They were really good, and that's, I think that's a good point. I think
0: that's the second game in a row. It's fair to say they probably outplayed us. Oh, definitely in the in the in
1: the second game. Well, as well. and the other thing I think, or sorry, uh, the third game. Yeah, I think us. a lot of the five-four shootout win. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of the reason that me and a lot of Flames fans are like really pissed off about that game is because like that is the exact that game epitomized everything that frustrates you about the Calgary Flames. It's like a game, a huge game against your biggest rival and you lay a goddamn egg, and you don't show up. Like, they didn't They didn't show up. Like, sure, the others played very well, but, like, outside of the guys who usually show up, Manjipani, Riddick had a really tough game, but I thought Mandu was good, Kachuk was good, Gio was good. Outside of those three guys, like, Johnny Gaudreau was invisible. Sean Monahan, invisible. Elias Lindholm didn't do much, but he was okay. Milan Lucic, like we're supposed to have this guy for these kind of games, he was complete. Like he did nothing. He no. did nothing. He knew he was a neut- neutral impact. Yeah, exactly. And if you if your if your hypothesis was that Milan Lucic is going to come and help you win games like last night or win playoff games, like you can't you can't tell me that that hypothesis is. I don't agree with that hypothesis in the first place. But now, like I think we're all in agreement that if this guy's not even going to do that, what's he on the team for?
0: Yeah. Well, I was listening to Scott Rantoul this morning, and that was the con- That was the conversation around Lucic. And, you know, he, he said it, and other people are saying it as well, they're going to wait until the playoffs. Apparently, apparently, I don't see how this is true, but he helps you in the playoffs. Why,
1: I don't know. But... You telling me those aren't playoff games? Exactly. That's what we we were saying that. I th- were we saying that? Um, was it the Oilers game? I think it was the shootout when we were like, "It's interesting. Who was your? Who are your best players tonight?" I mean, how much? How many points
0: separate you from each other in the standings? You're both vying for first place at this point. And it's like your biggest rival. It's the biggest game of the year. Yeah, and I mean, if with all what's... with all the shenanigans, you'd expect
1: at least Lucic to have some sort of impact. Like those are playoff games. Again, if this is not as close to a playoff game as you can get, then like apparently I don't know what playoff games are like. Because again, biggest game of the year. It's pretty much a must win. Like you you need to win that game to stay in the standings. It's biggest rival coming off a very highly contested game a few nights previous. Like, if that's not as close as a playoff as close as you can get to a playoff game, I don't know what is. So and again, like I'm not the kind of guy who's like, Oh Luci, you should just go fight just for the sake of it. But Apparently, according to the GM and according to other fans who have been a fan of Lucic coming in, the reason he's here is for games like that. To have an impact. To be impactful in games like that. And he wasn't.
0: I think, judging by Twitter and social media,
1: a lot of people are pretty disappointed with Lucic at this point. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I don't even care if he doesn't fight, but the fact that you've got guys like Buddy Robinson out there, you've got Cam Talbot out there. Like, like, it'd be nice if he just, like, you know, I don't know, got involved a little bit. I don't know. Do you think
0: he's, because he's
1: still friends I don't know. Is he, friends he still with friends with all, all, all guys? those guys? Like, what's the deal? It's been two games against the Oilers, and he's been completely invisible.
0: You got to think that plays into, into it a bit.
1: Well, yeah, you'd think so.
0: I don't know. But at the same time, this, you hear this all the time. Oh, he's a great pro. As a professional
1: athlete, you have no friends when you're playing hockey. Yeah. Like, it doesn't fucking matter. Well, I'm not sure who said this. Maybe it was Steinberg. But somebody was saying, like, maybe he's hurt. Because, again, not that he's been very good this year. But most people have noticed a decline in his play. Like, because there was a while there before the All-Star game. Or All-Star break. Where he was was scoring a few goals. He was having an impact on a night basis. He's been pretty bad since the break. Maybe he's hurt. I don't know. I don't know. I look at his season as, like, he had a stretch of maybe a week and a half to two weeks. Yeah.
0: Where he was able to put the puck in the back of the net. And on either side of that, he's been... I mean he puts up decent analytic numbers he's on decent, any bases. he's a
1: decent trustworthy guy in his own zone and that's about it. But the thing is there's no impact. Yeah, exactly. He's not an impact player. Like and he like no, he's not. Period. End of story. He isn't. And I mean, again, he's he's pretty good in his defensive zone. And then, you know what even the worst part is? Like Lucic everybody's talking about Lucic and I hate to keep coming on here and being like, Where's Cadrol? But where is this guy? I know he had an assist but he was so bad like he did nothing neither did monahan like they did they did nothing like the only reason he got an assist is cuz buddy robinson made a great play on the tip in that was an outstanding goal it, it was a great goal and it like thank god for that goal because like <laughs> otherwise the building would have been half empty so so well you mentioned something right off the hop that we laid an egg
0: i th- i want to push back a bit on it because i feel like if you compare that to other games, I guess in other games where we've really stunk this year, it's been one one period that you can single out that right. just pretty much fucked the entire game. I yeah. guess that was the second well, period. Well, the second period was pretty bad. Cuz like the first period I get it and I want to get into this too because going into the game, the whole pre-game circus was all about David Riddick. And like, if I have to hear—I don't know how this is a talking point. Honestly, if I have to hear someone from the Edmonton Oilers team make one more comment about lecturing about respect, I am going to lose
1: my mind. Like we're taking lessons in respect from Drysital, and now it's Smith, Smith, Neil—guys who are like literally one. How about Drysital? Don't slew foot guys. There's a good start. How's that for respect? Like this stupid stick foot—it's still going on today, which is weird. Like, is it, it though? It's to, the Oilers oh, fan base. It happened a it's week ago. It's never gonna ago, die. And they're still talking about it. And they're like, "Oh, he shouldn't have been so confident. He was got lit up. It was like, I don't get, I don't get NHL fans. They're like dying for somebody to do to have personality. And the minute somebody does, and you know, the other thing is like you were saying this to me. It's like they asked him about it afterwards. He's like, I don't even. I've never even watched baseball. I don't even know. I didn't know about the bat flip. He just did it because he was excited. It had nothing. It wasn't referential to anything." He did. He, was, he taunted though.
0: He looked right at Drysdale. Totally, yeah.
1: that's fun. It's gamesmanship. That's yeah. what you should be doing.
0: So, but there is one thing that I always remember Don Cherry talking about more so in a playoff series than anything. But this is like you played th- what was it four games in a matter of three weeks? Yeah. So it was like a little mini it was playoff like a mini
1: series. series. Yeah.
0: But he always would say that you never
1: give the other team any other reason to be motivated other than beating you but i feel like with the oilers they have that regardless he could have like he could have not celebrated at all and they'd be, it's disrespectful maybe you should celebrate they won they beat us it's like you can't win with these people they're crazy so i kind of like at, it was very apparent that stick flip motivated the fuck out of that team well you know what it, it was kind of like i say that like i don't know being at the game it's different and i haven't really watched much of the highlights to be honest but When you're at the game, you really do notice how good, like, again, this is not mind-blowing analysis, but, like, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're so good. Like, they're so good. And that's why I think it was even more amplified, like, how invisible Goudreau was. Because, like, every time McDavid was on the ice, it was like, holy shit. Oh, Wow. Every time Drysaddle was on the ice, and I don't think Dr- Drysaddle is not even in the same category as McDavid, but when you can throw those two guys out and they have that much of an impact, it's scary. Like they're so good, they dominated all game. And the pr- the problem was the problem with splitting them up is like the Oilers were feasting on this. Like Drysaddle had four assists because you can throw McDavid out against Geo and Brody, they can kind of handle it. Yep. But then you follow up that up with Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle against Hannifin and Hamannik, and it's big time trouble. Well, you put. Noah Hannafin and Travis Hammock, against anybody with some skill, they're in trouble. I guess we'll get to it. In we'll a bit. get to it. Finally, they're gonna <laughs> fucking split the debacle up. But like, what Hannafin was doing on that, like all night, what he was doing. But specifically so on the power play goal, the last that three games scored, has probably been
0: his. Those last two games for sure. Oh probably yeah. his worst two games as the Calgary Flame.
1: Dude, the f- like, like, he looked so lost. It's he gets walked by Matt Benning. In the in the like, in pretty in a pretty embarrassing fashion, he gets walked by Connor McDavid. Which, I mean, he makes a lot of guys look silly, but like that wasn't even really like McDavid. That's like a freebie for McDavid well, on the look, power play. Here's the
0: thing: if you're a D-man
1: against McDavid, don't get caught flat-footed. What did you do? You fucking
0: <laughs> removed your feet from the conversation. Like, you what? You took a knee. Like, like, what does he think that's gonna do? You it's tell McDavid. McDavid will light you up anytime you drop down to one knee,
1: like it's it's a given. It was brutal. It was brutal. And again, like I I, I don't like to always it's, people have kind of even given me a bit of shit for like oh you're so negative. It's like Hannifin and Hamannik were absolute, and Oliver Shillington as well had a rough night. Rasmus Anderson had a rough night, but I mean Shillington's having a rough stretch. Oh yeah, big time. Um, but I mean like like our defense is not good right now. Like no. uh, Giordano and Brody are great, and then. Right now, it's like it's not good. It's really bad. It's really bad. Like it's really bad. So then everybody's like, "Oh, Riddick got lit up." Like, sure, maybe he should have had one of those. But I mean, like, Cam Talbot, the poor son of a bitch, Cam Talbot comes in in the second period. I yeah. think Steinberg tweeted the Oilers had eight high danger chances. That the Flames won. Like he stopped like two breakaways, and then like as soon as the breakaways were done, it, it was like solid. it was unreal. What he had to face coming in, he was great. I think he he let in two goals on twenty one shots or something it, like that. Yeah, it was something like that. But it was unreal. Like the outshot shot us like 49, 26. Yeah, we got absolutely dominated. Like it was domination
0: from start to finish. And I would say like I said, if you're gonna compare the eggs that we've laid throughout the season, to me that wasn't the big that wasn't the biggest egg.
1: No, no. It was a really, 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 really bad second period. And a, really and, not a gri- and a bad stretch to start the game pretty yeah. much sunk you.
0: Because if you take away
1: those two early goals, yeah. we are we probably come out of the first period with a lead. Well, and you know what? This is like... Okay, so... I'm curious to throw this idea around. What is the deal with this team not being able to like start on time? Because we've seen this a little bit this year. They get scored on early. They don't show up yeah, for well, the first few minutes. Like, during, what is that? During the whole tenure under uh,
0: Bill Peters this year, I think we led the league in... It was between us and the Maple Leafs of, I think it was Maple Leafs then us, of of allowing the first
1: goal against. And time spent trailing, yeah. which I'm pretty sure we're still pretty high in.
0: Probably better now.
1: Yeah. But yeah. But there was a stretch there where we were it really was, like worse in the league. It was
0: much more problematic probably in the first third yeah. than it has been of late. Um, but I don't know. I honestly don't even think it was so much the Flames preparation. We weren't. Ready for how motivated this team was, and you add desperation on top of that as well. You think they wanted to go own four against us, so but even I don't know. I mean, Well, they got they're kind of lucky to be able to score two goals in minute forty, in minute five. But they just came out
1: fucking. With they a, came f- fine. They came but, out. But with, the other thing that yeah. I can't help but not notice and be like, what the fuck? It's like I don't I don't know like what Jeff Ward and his staff are trying to accomplish in the defensive zone. Like, what is, I don't see, and again, I'm not a hockey coach. I'm not an expert on hockey systems. But when I watch the team play defense, I don't know what's going on. I see a lot of standing around. There's not a lot of D. I see a lot of missed assignments. Like, and like I don't,
0: how many turnovers are we creating in our own oh, end? So many. And then, like, no, I mean, like, how many do we force?
1: Oh, do we force? Yeah. It almost seems Dude. like we wait until, we just stand around. We it's wait so until passive. a loose
0: puck yeah. or a shot and we try and get the rebound. It's like, it's not like we're trying to separate guys no, no. from the
1: puck at all. And I watched like I watched a few plays where Rasm- even Rasmus Anderson is like guys would come down like come down on the on the boards on on his side on the right wing, and he just let them skate all the way to the goal line, all the way around the net, and do whatever they want. Like it seems to be very passive. And then the other thing that I noticed that was really weird, I saw like five or six different instances where, and again I don't know if this is a systems thing or if this is just Hannafin being an idiot, but he would like chase the puck carrier like around the entire offensive zone to the blue line, like three or four times. Right. What's he doing? Like are they playing box and one, like basketball, or what what's going on there? Yeah. I don't get it. Usually if you want to play man on man, it's it's below the hash marks. Yeah. Like he followed him all the way to the blue line multiple times. So I, I, I think I think that's one of the main problems I'm having with Jeff Ward right now. Player deployment aside, like I don't know what the hell's going on, on the defensive end. Like I have no clue. Well the defensive side of the puck begins in the offensive end, Yeah, which
0: means what type of offensive attack are you trying to be, and do you have a high guy that can easily come back? We seem pretty good. We're not really allowing a lot of odd man, odd man rushes outside of Noah Hannafin just being an idiot, uh, but I'm going to pinch on Connor right now, but then, it's, then it comes to like, well, how do you play in the neutral zone, right? I mean, the defensive end... If you're talking about defensive systems is the last line of defense.
1: Well, and they allow so like they, they allow them to just enter the zone with speed, like they just back all the way back to the net for some odd well, reason. And you're seeing an unprecedented shots against almost on a netly basis now. Totally. Like this was this was one of the things early in the season which was like, What's going on here? Like they're allowing way too many shots. It kinda went into a bit of a lull there for a bit, I feel like seven game win streak. Yep. But it's really come back around where it's like they're giving up like Wait, not even shot attempts anymore. Like legitimate shots. Yeah, it's getting crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, we well, we've seen it all year. It's been a talking point where you compare last year. It's like last year, it was very common on a nightly basis that we outshot the opponent
1: almost two to one. It was free. It was like it wasn't even common. It was like every night almost. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I just don't understand why don't why are these coaches going back and watching game tape of all last year? Because that's the thing that's so weird. Like. I keep coming back to last year, and everything I've looked at, like, again, the the five guys who had career years last year, obviously that's a bit of an anomaly, and that's going to inflate things a bit. But if you look at their underlying numbers, if you look at everything, like by by no means was last year could you consider a complete fluke, right? Like, we should still see some some of the things they were doing last year to make them successful, make them successful this year, and it's just not there at all. Like, what happened? And you obviously nailed it on the head when you're like, the system has changed. But, like, Again, like you said, like why aren't they going back to last year and be like, "Okay, we, we we routinely dominated teams on a night-to-night basis last year. What were we doing? Let's do that." Yeah. I mean, every, every NHL club has a video team that
0: prepares video for coach for the coach. Yeah. So, stop looking at this year's video. Go back to last year's. It's just instead it's- of like instead of continually trying to tweak I mean, it's, we're doing so many things wrong on a nightly basis. Like, you're
1: pretty much doing everything wrong. Specialty, te- well, your penalty kill's been good. Yep. But power, power play's, play's been, been a little bit better pretty as Pretty gross. Like, again, they had, I think they had they have one power play against the Oilers. Yeah, yeah. We were, I think we The officiating was pretty terrible, too, by the way. There was a phantom call on Hamnick early on, they scored on. Um, yeah, there were some pretty, pretty bad calls in that game, I thought, for what they allowed the Oilers to get away with. But, I mean, the, the power play, again, it's like, it's so. It's like Johnny Gaudreau is like. What is he like? He's just like a wet blanket on everything right now. It's like even when he gets the puck on a rush that looks promising, bobbles the puck, gives it away. There was one
0: or two times in the game that I noticed one in particular where he actually came in the in the in the offensive zone and actually drove right to the middle of the ice. Yeah. And he ended up turning it over. But I said to my brother, I'm like i don't care if he turns the puck no get keep, there keep going keep there doing that totally agree that's, man that's what he needs to keep doing 100 i still think johnny and monty
1: will be clutched down the stretch i don't know man like <laughs> i hope so but all, all it's just signs, like all
0: signs point to no. all signs point to no.
1: <laughs> but i don't know man like it's just it's really weird like, I, I don't know what's with those two guys. All right. I want to talk about Buddy Robinson's goal because... That was sweet. That that made it 2-1. That was our first... It was the closest we got. Response goal that we got after going down 2 Well, and again, 3. like, this is why... This is something that's odd to me. is like, I can count on one hand the amount of rush goals I've seen Johnny Goudreau set up or score this year. Like, he's good at it. Yeah. Why isn't he doing more of that? Like, it was a 2-1-2. They both played it brilliantly. Yeah. But I think we were talking about this earlier... Who outside of maybe
0: Sean Monahan in that on that Calgary Flames lineup, maybe Matthew Kachuk... or maybe Manjupani too? I could see him doing something like is that. Is able to to create because Buddy Robinson he he created that on enough created enough room and separation between, between where the puck was about to go and the yeah. defenseman in order to open up that space for himself. That was an unbelievable goal. That was great, and the way that he finished it off by going back against the grain a little chip. Like, it was beautiful. Like this guy. Obviously, he can score goals because that was monaghan
1: esque right there, dude. That was like, that was like if Monahan was bigger and stronger. Yeah, that was like a Jamie Ben. Exactly. That was a pow- that was a power move to the net because he, he engages with the defender, kind of goes under him a bit, so he can't get stick position, and then just taps it against the grain. Beautiful, like great goal, great goal. The place went nuts; had the buddy chant going. So well, he follows it up with a fight as well. Oh yeah, like this guy's engaged. And I ask you, we
0: haven't seen Matthew Kachuk there this year, but very small sample size. But
1: who has been a better fit there all year? Nobody. I'm not saying that he's a long-term solution. Well, salute. again, like, that's why I think we've been like clamoring for, like, why the hell has Michael Backlund been there so long? Like, Which, give, by give, Johnny, way, give, give Johnny Gaudreau a player like that. You'll see more goals like that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I think Kachuk could be that guy. I think Bennett could maybe be that guy, even though he wasn't very good. I think I think anybody could be that guy, except the guys that keep playing with him. Like, Goudreau's been playing with Lucic and Michael Backlund this whole year. Like, what do you expect? So, even though he struggled, like, he hasn't been really been given a guy to play with that much. Like, Buddy Robinson's the best he's got this year? Come on. If Buddy keeps playing the way he if he, he is. If he's playing like that, he's
0: earned a spot up here. Like I I think I said this the other day. Right now it's his spot to lose. Oh, totally. I just don't
1: we I mean, what this is how many NHL games does he have? Well, he's played three with the Flames. He's got ten total. He's got ten total <laughs> NHL games. He's twenty eight years old. So there's a there's definitely a lot of questions. And there's going to be a, there's going to be diminishing returns eventually with him like he's not like he's not all of a sudden going to be well maybe who the hell knows but I very much doubt a 28-year-old career AHL guy is going to turn into a second line player in the NHL all of a sudden. Yeah. But hey, but it's, if it's working the, now and it wouldn't be the first time it has The happened. only thing I hope is that and Jeff Ward has shown a propensity to not do this is like once it stops working don't keep forcing it. Exactly. And I mean <laughs> The thing about Buddy
0: Robinson right now, because of the small sample size, because of the age, all those things, there's there's very little if next to zero expectation on this guy right no, now. No, nothing at all. And I think that's, for some players, that's an amazing place to be. And I think that's probably the why you, you see such a strong response from the fan base. It's like, there's
1: no expectation on this guy, yet he's going out there. His fucking name he's is, buddy. Done. His his name is his buddy. Buddy, for Christ's sake. Come on. Okay, so let's just quickly touch on, like, because I've seen some fans throwing it out there. It's like, okay, is it telling that the Flames have called up A sign, B called up, C given a role on his line when he's played 10 NHL games, Johnny Gaudreau's friend from New Jersey? Yeah, it's you got to think there's something there. Like It kind of reeks of Freddie Hamilton. And I mean, everybody crushed Dougie Hamilton when like, oh, just wants to play with his brother. But it's like, is that telling of what's going on with Johnny Gidreau? Like, is something making him unhappy? And they're like, yeah, we'll bring your friend to come play with you. Like, I don't know. I think at this point... I don't a, think there's nothing to it. It's a little bit of everything. My best
0: guess, that, we, and we've covered this so far, is that Johnny is losing a little bit of faith in this organization. And for obvious reasons, the general manager hasn't done anything in two years outside of signing Milan Lucic. <laughs> Oh, he sent Re- reader. Reader, like I mean, he's done nothing to help this team. Well, and you know what, like get better and
1: help Johnny Gaudreau's game get better. It's it seems like, and again, like I, I said earlier, like I think the strong reaction on my part, anyways, because people are kind of giving it to me on social media a bit after the game for mm-hmm, you're such a whiner. But I think from other fans is like again, like I said, that game wasn't epi- epitomized what is frustrating about this team. They can't score. They're. Sp- Seemingly not much effort outside of like a few handful of guys. And the guys that Tree Living brought in were completely useless. Hamanick, Hannafin, Lucic, Reeder. goes on and on and on. Well, you keep saying this. It's like, ultimately, you gave up
0: what probably a Norris, a Norris candidate. Definitely this year, until
1: he got hurt, you gave up a Norris caliber guy. And potentially potentially a calder like i mean is adam fox not in the calder conversation he's an excellent and i realize that it was a tough situation like apparently dougie hamilton wanted out adam fox isn't gonna sign here but i mean you're getting paid a lot of money a lot of money and i was arguing with somebody on instagram he's like it's a thankless job is it a thankless job you could pay a shit ton of money to have one of the best jobs in the world and you're not doing a very good job. And I think I think we're allowed to criticize Bradford living. So I think that's why there's been such a strong response to that game. Because like, and then and then you watch how useless Lucic was. You see Reeder continually getting in the lineup. That to me, that was the most frustrating thing of the evening,
0: is seeing him warm up, and just knowing like, okay, this guy's going to do nothing. Although I did, he almost
1: scored this. Yeah, game? he almost scored. Yeah. Bennett set him up beautifully, and of course, he missed. And wasn't he the? Yeah, he led the team in expected <laughs> goals on the evening. Oh so I mean. But that's, that's that's the that's problem. The problem is when Tobias Reader's leading you on offensively <laughs> on a night to night basis, usually it's kind of indicative of the fact that your team is, you know, maybe not structured particularly well. So I don't know, man. There's And it's not it's like, one of those losses that's not, just like a kick in the teeth.
0: I'm not so much frustrated in the player itself so much as I as I am, of what that player in the lineup again represents in in what we have with Jeff Ward. Bingo. Because like we 100%. said... 100%. The, the player itself, he almost scored. He, he was okay in terms of its analytics and, and what he brought in the game. But the fact that Jane Kowski... Because um, my mom likes to stick up for a lot of players when we're watching the game and stuff. <laughs> and... You know, she was sticking up for a war and saying, "Oh no, he's she. He's just trying to like prepare for the playoffs in the long term, that's why he's got reader in. You got to keep him." And I'm like, you know, you say that, but Jankowski has had the worst season of his career, probably of his life, and he, then he finally scores goals in back-to-back games and hasn't seen the ice since. So that's not his strategy. His strategy is, I'm a sentimental players coach, and I'm gonna continue putting guys out there even when they shouldn't at the detriment of winning and losing games as well as losing faith
1: and trust in the rest of the players. Well, again, and it reminds you of, it reminds you of Glenn Galton. Like, all over again, just keep trying the same dumb shit. Like, keep trying it, 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 keep trying it. Keep trying it, keep trying it keep try- it's like, it's not working, dude. Like, come on. And I guess the other thing is, like, the
0: reason why it's a frustrating loss is we've seen this way too many times this year is like you didn't even have you didn't even deserve to be in the game Mm -mm. it's like i i love when we lose
1: games and you're like man
0: like that was a good loss and i
1: can't wait to watch the next game have we seen one of those games this year no and it's like it's like games like this are like games where you leave and you're like i'm never i don't want to watch this ever again it's like when you start getting irrational it's like too many of those games this season too many. Like, almost all of the losses have been like that. Like, yeah. very few have been like, wow, we really deserved to win that game, and we didn't. Yeah, I think uh, it was Chase on uh, Twitter after. He was like,
0: man, this, this team hasn't not shown up like this for a long time. I'm like, well, I mean, you know, Ottawa and Montreal wasn't really that long ago, Chase. A couple weeks. A <laughs> couple weeks. But <laughs> like, so we, we've seen it all year long. It's like, the games where they've stunk, they've really stunk. Yeah, and like...
1: And again, like I don't know, I don't
0: don't necessarily think that they were that bad, because outside of that hot start, yeah, and then, I mean, we haven't even talked about Noah Hannafin getting lit up by McDavid yet. I mean, that's that's the next goal. But what do you even say, man? (laughs) Like, what do you even say? I mean, until we see some player personnel changes, better management from the top down.
1: Well, that's where some
0: some like inclination to like maybe upgrading the systems yeah
1: like that's what's gonna change that's what gets frustrating because everyone's like always on the players sure johnny gaudreau's been dog shit this year Sean monaghan not very good a lot like i mean even though lindholm scored hasn't been very good i mean
0: but like if you look at it like if you manage any any sort of organization you're looking at from a business sense your players are your employees
1: yeah, exactly. And
0: if they're not performing up to standards, then are you doing everything you possibly can as exactly. an employer to help them,
1: to support them, to 100%. get them what they need?
0: Because Bad Tree Living hasn't done dick.
1: No, and I, people keep giving him this free pass, and it's just like I think most most of us who've been critical of Tree Living kind of saw this coming. It's like last year was a bit of an anomaly, even though they played very well. Like you had five guys with unbelievable seasons, but like. The fact that he didn't, like, and you said this to me after the game. You said something along the lines of, we've known what the problem has been since game two of the playoffs. Nothing was done. Like, that's why I'm really frustrated. And, like, it almost completely erases any progress that was made last year. It's like, great year, let's build on it. Instead of building on it, he did nothing. Yeah, He did nothing. Well, I mean, we've talked about this point a lot, which
0: is, his whole rationale of... And I know he was quote-unquote in on Mark Stone. Yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, he's in on everything. But at the end of the day, Mark Stone ended up somewhere else and we didn't end up with anything other than acquiring
1: Oscar Fantenberg, who we then let walk, who would have been a much better much upgrade better than on Michael Stone. Stone. I mean, and now if you have Shillington struggling, he's a nice guy, he could slip into the lineup.
0: But his rationale was we believe in this group, we're confident in this group. And you know what? I didn't... Necessarily mind it so much last year when we were first in the West, but then you get punked in the playoffs. And you think you think that's a fluke? No, we or got like, beat in a lot of areas of the game, especially coaching.
1: Well, it's like you said. You said this a hundred times. If you believe in this group, then give them what they need. Yeah. Like do you think Johnny Gaudreau is sitting there going, "Oh, wow, we did nothing." Brad must really believe we can get it done. Well, that
0: that was my point last year. The deadline was. Brad, if you really believe in the group, show them you believe in them. Add to the locker room. That's how you show that you believe in this group. You don't sit there, do nothing, and say that's your rationale for doing nothing. Well, and again,
1: this is where I push back on people. And I, I know I've been very critical of Goudreau. But I mean, like, when people are like, oh, trade him. He's the problem. He's the problem. It's like, this dude has been our best player for five, six years has pretty much received no help outside of bringing in a guy like Elias Lindholm, who's a fine player, but he's not hes not Johnny gaudreau level player. And then it's like, if Johnny Gaudreau's not doing it, the team's not doing well, everyone's like, oh, it's Gaudreau's fault. It's like, that doesn't feel good to carry a team on your back for five, six seasons. Every time there's a problem, everybody blames you, when the GM continually does nothing to help you bring in no help. Like, it reminds me of the Jerome McGinley situation, where it's like, Daryl Sutter never brought him the players he needed. He never supported. He never brought in the sporting cast again needed to help that team be what they probably could have been, which was a Stanley Cup contender. If you've got a, one of the top five players in the league, he never brought in the appropriate guys. Like I don't think Tree Living has done that. So that's where it's like, sure, Johnny Joe's been not good this year, but the GM has done zero to help the help him. Nothing, zero. Who replaced Hoodler? Uh, I don't know, nobody. Exactly. Like, Fur- Furland was there for a while.
0: Exactly. I mean, outside of Lindholm, Lindholm would have worked. Except then you got no depth in the rest of your lineup. Like, sure, Lindholm would have worked, but Cause, then, cause like... Chucky can't necessarily drive a line with Backlund and... I guess it was Froelich last well, I guess year that it did Lindholm pretty Lindholm well.
1: would have worked, but you can't have... Like, again, like, Backlund has really fallen off cliff the last couple of years, like... Sure, Lindholm works, but then like you got to go get somebody at center. I know he tried to with Kadri, but he didn't, and he hasn't tried since. So it's like he—that's the other thing that's kind of annoying. Is like he knows, he knows what's wrong with this team. Yeah, and he, he the, thats what bugs me the most about that phrase. Is like, oh, I believe in this group. I think that you, you tried to trade for Nazem Kadri and Jason Zucker and Mark Stone. It's like obviously you know this team needs something. So what that translates to me is. I can't get the job done, so I'm going to put it on the players instead. I believe in this group. A.K.A. I can't get the trade done that needs to be done or bring in the players that need to come in, so I'm just going to blame it on Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan and say, oh, I believe in you. Well, he did take some ownership. I forget when that was. I think it was during the whole Bill Peters
0: situation. Um, prior to Bill Peters, when the team was in that slump, and when he said, well, the, it starts at the top, the general management has been shit. Yeah, everybody's been shit. It was like six months. Well, not six months ago, but like two months ago, and he's still done nothing. And so I guess, and I guess part of it is like, if you look at it from the other side, it's like how often do trades happen in the, in league? Yeah, not a lot. It's not like there's a trade every week, and like so, trades are probably there's a they're probably not easily done. They don't happen very. No, often. it's not easy. But at the same time, I mean, you have. If if it takes six months to make a trade, then you better damn sure be really proactive in terms of identifying what your needs are.
1: I mean, well, you had a off season, and that's the other thing that I kind of keep coming back to is like it's been it's been almost six years since he's been here. Like outside of last year, there hasn't there hasn't really been a linear progression. It's kind of been up down up down up down down up up down whatever. Well, we spiked last year. Yeah, like the last year was a like. But, like, the, the, I don't see a vi- – like, that's the thing. When I look at other teams who have kind of, like, started to get it together, kind of started to build something, it's like you can see a concrete plan kind of working. And if it's not working – like, I, I always bring this example up is when the Blues kind of sold a bit at the deadline a couple years ago. because Even they, though they were – Even right. though they were within striking distance of a playoff spot, and I believe they even made the playoffs that season. They did, season. Yeah. Or even, like, what the Rangers did. The Rangers – the Rangers put their plan out to the fans. We're like, here's what we're doing for the next five years. Here's the plan. We're probably not going to be very good for a couple years, but here's what we're trying to accomplish. Yep. And they've stuck to that for the most part. Like That's what's so frustrating to me as a fan is like, I don't, if he has a plan, I don't see it. It's like, it's just kind of, oh, I'll try to get Zucker. Oh, that didn't work. Um, uh, who else is? There? Oh, Cadre oh damn it okay I don't know I'm out of ideas I guess uh okay I believe in these guys it's just kind of like I don't I don't see like and when he was first here I th- I think we did kind of see that right like we saw him trade guys like Hoodler and Chris Russell for draft picks that turn into very good players move on from guys like Sven Berchi but then and again like maybe this is even ownership I mean, it probably does trace back to them you kind of got around that the 2017-2018 season we go all in on Travis Hamanick and start rushing the rebuild and then it's like hey we're not really anywhere near a contender. So I don't know. Maybe that's where it started. Maybe he's got pressure from ownership to expedite the rebuild a couple years ago, but I just, I just I don't know. It just frustrates me as a fan to like I don't see the plan here. I don't see what how this ends. I don't see us we're not better than last year. Nobody saw last year coming. So like that kind of is indicative to me of like, like I I'm pretty sure Brad She Living was even pretty shocked. Of what happened last year. Oh
0: yeah, like, last year was
1: insane. Nobody expected that. We were we were anticipating we would push for a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. And that would be a very successful year. And, and I'm pro- I, like I'm just kind of going on a ramble here, but I mean like I I don't see a plan. So uh, until there's like some sort of plan or some sort of I don't know until there's a change, I'm I'm not willing to be like I'm on board with this. And I'm not even saying like a big change because like you said like big trades don't really happen that often. But well, and maybe, I, I don't know what the plan is here. And maybe that's that off
0: season we had last year is really throwing a kink in all this because he. It seemed like he, like you, just like he seemed like he did have a plan going into last year that we were sticking to. It, it was slowly rebuilding. We were going to push for a playoff. Then you, then we have last year an anomaly. Now you're like, who are we? Yeah, I think I think everybody all thought we were better than we actually are. Mm-hmm and the reason why is cuz you finished first in the west. Yeah. <laughs> you you tied a franchise record for the best ever season. So then I don't know. I mean at the same time he he tried to do what we thought he needed outside of replacing, you know, with Lucic. I mean, it's yeah. obviously not working out very well yet. But maybe that's maybe Can only that, get better only four more years. Maybe that's why is that
1: after, how do you how do you properly assess the team after the season we had last year? Well, and see that's why I'm so fascinated by what's going to happen at the deadline because I think this is a real like this is a this is a this could be a huge turning point and I think Brad this this is the off season and the trade deadline where I think it's make or break time for Brad Street living and. I, th- it'll, I think it'll be very telling. And you know what? Like, I do criticize him a lot, but I, again, like I said, I think a lot of pressure does come from ownership, because that's really been the mandate since 04, right? Make the playoffs, get in, see what happens, right? Because they always think, it's like, that's never a good idea. <laughs> it's like it happens once in a million years that you just go on a miracle run. Well, you saw it with Columbus last year. Yeah, and they got to the second round, and, and now they're... And how it goes wrong. Yeah, well, even though they've been pretty good this year, but I mean, they're still out a shit ton of assets, right? Yeah. So I well, understand there's pressure from ownership, but I like if we're still a bubble playoff team come trade deadline, even if we are in the playoffs. Like I don't see any reason if we're if Brad Schleping does have a plan and is going to stick to the plan to not sell off some assets and recoup some assets here, because like again, like what are you going outside of like a blockbuster hockey trade where you're trading one of your assets for somebody who's going to make you better now and in the future. I don't see any reason to blow your like to waste things on Tyler Toffoli, Chris Kreider, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's like we're not a Tyler Toffoli away from being a contending team. We're just not. Well,
0: but at the same time, he doesn't seem he doesn't seem the type. To, no, to blow blow his wad. Well, and I'm and, and I'm really glad you brought this up. This whole like, what's the plan thing? Because I think. I'm going to throw another theory out here at you. Okay. This is my Your thir- theories have been pretty goddamn bang on all season. This is my third theory of the year. <laughs> You're two for two thus far. Two for two thus far. Um, and that was in the whole Bill Peters and and Johnny with... Oh, uh, a whole Bill Peters problem with the team thing. Yeah. But I think it is. Last year, fucked with our identity. and And... If you're looking at Bradtree Living, I think what he has to do, and I think maybe he's already caught on to this, is that you have to you kinda have to toss last year aside. And I know as that's why a lot of the fan base is is more more than frustrated, right? And you also have the other half that are like, Well, we're still in the playoff spot, yada yada yada. And I think if you're Bradtree Living, whatever your plan was before last season, you go back to that. Which Ache, yes, which is wherever we were projected to to be at last year, which is put for a push for a playoff spot. You go back to that and you try to be that team again to push for a playoff spot and push to win a round. So I think your goal this year is just to win one round, anything above and beyond that. So if you're gradually Living, you're structuring your team right now to A, to push for that. That means you're not going all in and B. To make sure that you're still building going into next year, which it sounds like he's he's vocally talked about it on air, which is he's not interested in rentals, he's interested in term, he's interested in continuing to build this team.
1: Well that's why he didn't trade use of Alamackie last year, right? Which I was like, do it if you're gonna name Mark Stone, but it's a great that's probably the best that's the best, not even theory, that's the best assessment I've heard in a year, probably. Like that's spot on right there. And I got
0: a, I got a feeling that I think he's the he, I think he's wise to that. I honestly
1: do. Well, again, like I, again, like even me being critical, I still like he can still turn this thing around, and because, I don't even know if it's turning it around. Because I know, like part of, part
0: of his criticism he gets is that he's almost too patient, but at the same time, I think it's a double edged sword that's also his biggest strength because we saw it last year when when he didn't blow his load on on Mark Stone, we were pretty. We were, we were pretty okay happy it, yeah. because we were pretty actually impressed that he was able to not just dish off Valimaki so yeah. quickly, and that even though when you look at how well Mark Stone has turned out now in hindsight, you might reassess that. But with all that said, maybe the reason why he's been so patient—I don't know—did maybe he, he is sticking to the plan? Maybe you're changed my mind a bit here. Is he smarter than everybody thinks? And then just—I sure hope so. Maybe he says. I don't know. I'm still not convinced. In my, in the season we had last year, especially given how we outed so
1: fast in the playoffs, so I don't know. Well, again, that's why this offseason. and
0: that's I, where I come back to. And maybe maybe the patience that is so frustrating right now is actually a virtue in the in the long run.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, you 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 expressed it far more eloquently and articulated it better than I did. But that's what I was saying. It's like I don't think it'd be the worst thing to sell a little bit at this deadline and reassess in this offseason because you do have some money coming off the books you've got some contracts that are up you've got hamck I mean I don't know what's gonna happen with Brody but I mean for leak's gone you've got like this could be this could be the off season, yeah or the real plan so then then it starts comes, taking shape
0: and so yeah exactly
1: right where okay let's say
0: we're gonna follow this this whole line of, of thought then if you say okay at this point I think the season is a bit of a write-off already we're happy to make the playoffs but I think it's because of last season's uber success. It's kind of fucked everything up. Yeah. But then you go back to the plan and you say, you know what? If we can make the playoffs this year, so who can we get that can help us make the playoffs? You're in a very
1: weak division, although it's kind of strong at the same time. It's a bit of an anomaly. It's weak, but it's competitive. Like everybody's. It's like it's like there's a handicap. It's exactly. Like they all all the teams are the same skill level, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Probably. On paper, you'd say Vegas is probably the best team, but they can't really put it together right now. Can't get it
1: together at all. Yeah. And then outside
0: of that, I mean, the Flames, Vancouver, Oilers, and Phoenix are all pretty equal teams. Yeah. On any given stretch, one's going to surge past the other. But if you come back to this whole premise of like, Kate, no, we're actually right on track. If we make the playoffs this year, pushed her win one round, and then there was a successful year, and then well if that's the case what do we what's part of the plan looking forward to next year next year you're looking at at least winning two rounds and then now you're also you're tinkering this year i think you still have to deal with definitely hammock brody i'd probably like to see him resign but now you're you're part of your plan and your vision is is looking forward into next year i think right now what makes most sense is you're planning first and foremost for next year, and secondary to that, you're planning for for this year's playoff push.
1: I sure hope so. I hope as he's as smart as as you are, and as you're proclaiming it to be. Because like again, as much as I criticize him, like specifically, like I want this team to be good. That's the only reason I'm so obsessed with like pointing out his screw ups is because like, I want this team to be good. I yeah. want to, I want him to have a plan. I would love nothing more if Tree living. Makes this team a Stanley Cup contender. Like nothing would make my dreams come true more. Yeah. So I think that's a very good assessment. I hope it's. I have. A, I have somewhat a somewhat. I actually have a strong feeling that it kind of is. And to be honest, like, even though I think you know what the the, the one trade that like really like is an indictment on him is the Hamanik one. But then like outside of that, he really hasn't been. Well, he kind of has been. But I mean, with first and second round picks. It's not like he's Daryl Sutter in there giving away everything all the time. At least the players that he has, he's
0: made up for. Okay, because the players that he has traded for draft picks coming back
1: the other way have really panned out. Yeah, you look at like the Chris Russell trade, let uh, the Dylan Dubé and the Rasmus Anderson trade with, was from a Sven Berchi trade. So I would say, and maybe there's a little bit of luck to that too. Yeah, but I, I'd say he's probably. Just under break-even in terms of what he's given away for other assets. So you know what? I'm really good. We had. I'm really glad we had this little chat because you've kind of got me a little more optimistic and a little more forgiving of Brett's living. I, right and I and I think the biggest thing to remember is that last
0: year's success is really fucking with everybody's minds. No, year. totally.
1: It's like because
0: we're comparing ourselves to the best team that this this franchise has
1: produced in its entire forty years. Yeah, it's a blip on the radar. Very good assessment. Do we wanna to quickly touch on the whole goalie fight shenanigans oh, before we wrap Let's
0: this up? Let's wrap the game up. Basically, we're at the goal where, where Noah Hannafin for whatever reason decides I think my best oh, my best way that I could potentially stop McDavid from making me look like an idiot is just to look like a, just to act like a pylon. I'm gonna go down on one knee and do my best
1: impression of a pylon. And not move. Fuck he does a good impression of a pylon. Like I was almost convinced like I, I, can't, I can't. did anybody ask him about it
0: after the game I get it it's McDavid he's the most he's the most skilled guy yeah. on the like, earth you sure made it easy for him and again like but let's be honest that comes back to a coaching decision like how often do we see that pairing of Noah Hannifin and Travis Hamnick with the fourth line against good lines
1: and well, good players the thing i don't understand is Han- Hannafin's usage is so weird to me too it's like he's not a good penalty killer why is he on the penalty kill why is he in the power play? I, okay. Well, I I would say he's better on like the penalty kill unit should be Gio Brody, Rasmus. It's true. If you're not, if you struggle
0: defensively in your own end, 5 on yeah. 5. What do you think how you're do you, do 5 on 4? How four? do you think you're going to be 5 on 4 even though the penalty kill has been great this
1: it's year. It's been good this year, but I mean still like I just, I, I would uh,
0: anyways like Anyways, the biggest news today as of today, February 2nd is they're finally finally Finally, finally,
1: <laughs> finally,
0: changing the goddamn fucking D pairings up. It's they're a split, bu- and and we've been clamoring for this since like last playoffs, and more so. Changes.
1: What we mean is they're splitting up Travis Hamanek yeah. and Noel Hannifin. So if you didn't see today, they've got Gio with Rasmus, they've got Hamanek and Brody back together, and they've got uh, for God's sake, Michael Stone in with um, Travis Hamanek. Or no, sorry, with uh, Hannifin. Hannifin, yeah. You tell, that's that's gonna, gonna <laughs> you tell me that's going to be a nightmare. You tell me that's going to work out. Like and Shillington, the odd man out. And again, like Shillington struggled, but I mean Stone is so bad that it's, he's not an upgrade. I wouldn't be
0: surprised if they have a little, if they have a little plan. They're going to try to stick to is that they're just going to let Shillington watch a few games. Yeah, maybe, but because let's,
1: let's call Brandon Davidson up. Jesus because Christ. for a
0: while there, it was pretty even split between Shillington and Stone. But then Shillington has taken the lion's share of the games in the past, probably you know two handfuls, ten games. Although he's really struggling. He's struggled. He was was bad
1: both games against the others. Yeah. Well, noticeably struggling. Yeah, he was pretty bad. But I mean, I still think, I don't mind those, but I still think the optimal pairings are something to do with Rasmus. And I think you keep, I don't know, it's tough to say, but I think the best pairing for Hannafin, because he is one of the problems, I think the best pairing for him is to be with Rasmus. Yeah. Because then you have a really strong defensive presence with Hannafin. Like, I think sticking with Stone is a recipe. It's like, you think Hannafin and Hamannick are bad. Just you wait. Yeah. Like, my God, that's the worst configuration I can imagine of. It's Other yeah. than Hamannick and Stone. It could be dangerous. It could be big time problem. The good thing is is that if they're on the third pairing, you yeah. can do a bit to shelter them a bit. So I don't mind them changing it up, but I still think you put Rasmus with Hannafin. We've seen that. We've seen it work before. And they actually tried it a bit against the Oilers. Okay. But both of them were pretty bad in that game. And then the
0: other thing we should touch on too is like over the weekend we got an update on Valimaki. Yes. Which it he's skating on his own now. Now if he's skating on his own, is he probably game ready in about a month's time. The thing is it's like it seems to me like he's projected to return before season's end.
1: Yeah. So now now what do you do because was it Ryan Pike? Yeah, we had confirmed with Pike that if he plays a game this season, AHL, NHL playoff doesn't matter if he plays a single game he is eligible in the expansion draft which means you have
0: to protect him next this is next summer not this summer which means you have to expose
1: another d-man so
0: if if i'm going back to the whole what we just talked about okay let's just stick to what the plan is and slash was
1: i get him back in the lineup as soon as i can totally because you got to think they had planned for this anyways yeah because nobody foresaw a season injury last year, he was supposed to be a part of this defensive core this season. So, any projections that this management group has been doing, stick with
0: it. Yeah, just stick to the plan. And because, get back in the line of because output. if you want to keep things going along the path of where we should be, which means we actually make the playoffs and we actually win
1: around this year. This is a this is a theory of everything you've got going here. This is great. You need Yusuf Almaki on you the do. team, and especially if you're planning on. Which I think is gonna happen regardless. Like you've got to think one of Hamonick or Brody is on the way out, regardless of where we're on the standings. i have heard rumors about it all year. Yep. Yeah. To me, like hundred percent it's Hammonick. The guy oh, yeah, totally the guy,
0: it reminds me a lot of Smith's second year. Smith was a, Smith was, was great his first year. Our first year. Well, Hammonick struggled. In yeah, he struggled the first year first was, year, but he was good last year. He was good last until year. The playoffs. But just like Smith tapered off. I see a big taper off at
1: Travis Hamanick's game. Still does a lot of good things out there, but I'm not resetting Travis Hamanick. No way. So you got to think, regardless, he's probably being traded. So if you can get Balanaki back in his spot, do it. Yeah. So I totally agree. And initially I was like, don't play him, don't play him. But now upon hearing your theory of like, stick to the plan, they've probably projected this already. They probably were anticipating this already. Get him in. Get him in ASAP. Okay. Without rushing his, like obviously, you want to make sure you take your time and, and don't rush him back in the lineup. But when he's ready to go, get him going. Coming back to the game now, before we get to the fights, I loved how
0: Chucky got on the scoreboard. Yeah. Like, big goal to push some sort of spark for a comeback. Then Lindholm scored. It I don't made know why
1: f- people don't shoot five-hole. On, like, if you, they
0: should have been more just peppering Smith. All of the goals were just because he's an idiot. Why aren't we shoot? Why isn't the game plan? Kate. Okay. <laughs>
1: How many yes. times? No, Monaghan did it the first shift, and they didn't do it again. How many times? Uh, he just is, gave him the puck, and he gave it away. They almost scored. Why didn't they do that more? Right? Oh, God. Pull a page out of Bruce Brujo's book. Seriously. Encourage him to play the puck all night long. Like The first shift the monaghan Gaudreau line had out there, Monaghan dumped it in right to Smith. And he gave it away to Gaudreau and they almost scored. He had to make an unreal stick save to keep it out of the net. Yeah.
0: Why didn't they do that? And then the other thing is like, why isn't your game plan get shots from the point with yes, some traffic in front? Exactly. Probably 80% of the goal is scored on Smith this year
1: are all shots from the point of traffic because he's so deep in his net so deep in his net he can't well even Chuck's goal he didn't really get all of it but he just put a 5 hole and dummy's so deep in his net it went in like he's literally he's still sitting in the net yeah and then I mean even Lindholm's goal was a perfect example of it it was similar to the Mangiapane goal in Edmonton it was like he just waited until Dum Dum did something stupid and bounced it in off of him it was great alright let's get to the fights Okay. it was, it was kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just because I was in such a shitty mood because they were so crappy, but I was just kind of like, Because eh. it all started with, it was Gagne trying to poke the puck underneath Talbot. Yeah, and Talbot pretty much lost it. And you can probably tell, like, the poor, and it was probably more his, like, he said even today, he was like, my emotions got the best of me. He was like, the dude had to make, like, ten unbelievable saves the second he was put in the net. And then he's got dumb Oilers kind of jabbing at him. So I can see him losing his mind a bit. So he gets a couple blockers in, and all hell breaks loose. Well, it was weird because I didn't even see Smith standing at the red line. Because our seats were right at the red line. I didn't even see him because I was watching what's going on. But then we watched the replay. It's like he skated up almost immediately, that little shit. If you're watching the game, I was watching the game. The coverage was pissing me off. Yeah. They kept on... There's
0: like five fights on the Smith. and they're like just showing Smith standing there. Yeah, like, go I, back to the fucking fights. So stupid. But anyways, yeah, he stood there. Eventually, Talbots comes out. Yeah, Ch- Kachucky
1: was fighting Bear, which I liked. I think that was my probably my favorite <sighs> that was fight. Sweet. I mean,
0: the, that only that seemed to be like the most legit fight out of all. Yeah, that was a legit other than, fight. Other than the goalie fight. Yeah, the yeah.
1: Jujar and Buddy fight was one of those like wrestling fights. Yeah. So yeah i don't know i thought he was getting some body shots in though yeah he he got tagged once though but i mean i don't know It, it probably would have been like i said at the top it's like the atmosphere was a bit contained and muted because the flames were getting destroyed well and you're 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 trailing zero to two yeah so after a minute and five seconds it wasn't as crazy as you would have thought if you were at the game i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just a deadbeat but where i was it was just kind of like what the hell is going on it was more like shock than like excitement yeah, but I mean, good on. T- I don't know. good on t- like Smith. I don't. Why is Mike Smith a goalie? He sucked at net. He always wants to play the puck, and he always wants to fight. Why isn't this dipshit a defenseman? I think he chose the wrong position. But it was kind of it was kind of cool because like it's become a thing and yeah. So post game, they're still upset about Riddick's stick toss. Like, what? A. Why are people asking them about it? B. Wh- uh,
0: it's I, two games ago, and I get it. If you didn't like it, then then yeah, you really got revenge. You stuck. You, <laughs> yeah, you chased you, him.
1: You let him up. You chased Riddick out of the net. Yeah, I felt bad for Riddick. Well, and you know what? Here's another thing with Jeff Ward. It's like, and you saw this with Glenn Gullicon too. Dude doesn't know how to manage his goalies. Like, I really thought Riddick should have been pulled after two nothing, because both the goals you could tell, like, and the team needed something, like, and if it's not two nothing, pull him after three nothing, Jeff. But he waited well, way too there's long. There's no way I would have pulled him after two. He nine. waited way too long, but anyways, I would have left him in. I don't know. He was he, the team needed something, so I don't know. Yeah, well, the team almost came back. It's tough to say, but so I didn't then, like how Jeff Ward handled it. So basically,
0: post game comments from Oilers players: Drysdale still upset about the stick toss. Mike Smith still. Smith is such a tool, dude. Like he's and, and Riddick's I think, friend. Come and on. I think, uh, what was it? Dreisaitl threw the respect bomb out there. Yeah, there. yeah. It it's very, It's very disrespectful. He he said after getting bailed out by that post, he actually won the Stanley Cup. We didn't.
1: He did not. They won a shootout in a have highly you, contested game. The thing game. Is, 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 like, have you seen this guy's personality? Ridiculous. He, he's just, I mean. Yeah, that's who he is. Yeah. That's who he is. He's fun, exuberant guy. Come on. And you know what? I don't even mind. I don't even. I don't mind Dreisaitl and Smith saying that stuff because it does add more drama to it. But it's just, it's so predictable with those guys. It's like, of course they're going to whine about it. Of course they're going to whine about it. So I just wanted to read this. This is
0: Riddick's um, comment on the other stick flip hole freaking out. And so Riddick, this was today. Riddick says, we're not able to celebrate in this league anymore or what? I didn't want to to do anything more. I just celebrate. Why <laughs> should Why should I change myself? I'm going to be it again that guy is showing emotions who is celebrating goals and wins <laughs> i like the accent that you added there and then the best thing is um when david, david riddick was about asked about what he have fought smith i not really care i will fight everyone doesn't matter if smitty or anyone else it's kind of bucket ice bucket for me i want to be in that fight
1: Ice bucket? <laughs> I think he meant it's on his bucket list. Is it? That That's what? probably what he meant. Well, Buck- there's a good idea why you should have left him in, eh? Because then you would have got to see Riddick and Smith fight. That right. would have been sweet. Anyways, like it, it was, you know what? Like I'm not a big fighting guy. I would like I left that game more mad about how the Flames performed. Right? I mean, you can't deny that shit was entertaining. Yeah. And it was like worldwide trending on Twitter. Like, if the NHL is going to continue to allow fighting. You're telling me there the, the, the Battle of Alberta isn't saving this entertainment corporation cuz yep. like the rest of the league's pretty fucking boring right now. So the the last installment of the Battle of Alberta is the last game of the year? Well, it's April 4th, right? I think that's pretty obviously very close to the end of the year. They might have one game yeah. before might have one game after that No. Nope. that's no, that's it. It's literally the last game of the year. Can you imagine on, if on home ice. there's a few scenarios that could be interesting. It's like if they already know they're going to play down the playoffs. To- Against each other. Oh, they won't. do it. They won't, won't have it up. If if they know, okay, here's if they the thing. know they're gonna play each other. There won't be any shenanigans. Well,
0: no, I okay. I was but I was going a little too far ahead of you. Okay. I thought you, what you were saying was if they already clinched. Oh yeah. No then, no. We're not gonna see any shenanigans. Yeah. But let's say they even clinch, but they know they're facing each other. I bet you we still won't even...
1: See. We'll, I don't think so. We'll, we'll see a little bit of brouhaha, but it won't be anything crazy. Yeah, well, even if, like, what if they're both fighting, if it came down to... This will never happen, because it never happens in the NHL. But if the last game of the season determined the playoff, who made the playoff... Could you imagine? That would be insane. But there wouldn't be any shenanigans if that was the case. Well, until... Until the game until was out of hand. Then it would get right? ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know what? Given the way the Pacific Division has looked, I wouldn't even be surprised if that was the case. Yeah like it's looking more and more like cuz i i don't see the flames pulling ahead and being the first team in the division i still don't think the oilers have it in them like i i'm still kind of thinking vegas gets on a run but i mean vancouver's been so good their goaltending's looking good like they really could win and then that leaves 2-3 to the flames and oilers so it could happen this year and count me everybody's like i want it i'm like i don't want it <laughs> i don't want to face that i do not want even though the reward could be great the outcome of the Oilers beating us in a playoff series would like probably finally crush me <laughs> that would that would do me in as a hockey fan i don't would, think i could handle it dude but imagine if we won i, I it would be I, the the joy of victory would not even be anywhere near the crush of defeat for me it wouldn't be worth it the
0: thing is is like the way that the season has gone it wouldn't even surprise me one bit no exactly
1: it's it's true and i mean it would be good for the league and, I mean, this is what they've been trying to do with the stupid divisional playoffs, right? And it yep. really hasn't worked outside of, like, Boston and Toronto facing each Whoa, other a lot. St. Louis and Vegas. St. Louis and Vegas. Or, sorry, San Jose and Vegas. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, But this is now the new best rivalry. Dude, is it's, like, the only rivalry. Yeah, it is. Like, it's, like... This is better
0: than San Jose and This is in, way better. Vegas. And, yep.
1: this, and you know what? This is why the scheduling, just to wrap up here, this is why the scheduling needs to be better. Like, the back-to-back... Why doesn't that happen way more often with teams? Right. Like, you need those. Those are great. Yeah. Like, I would totally be in favor of kind of a switch to a baseball style scheduling where teams play back-to-backs, like, all the time. I'd be be, be open to that. That'd be sick. And they'd be way better for travel. Way less travel, yeah. It'd be so good. At so. least
0: more back to so backs. Yeah,
1: like just have a few more back to backs. Like do four or
0: five more back to backs. Yeah, even like, Brian Burke, did you watch this segment? No, complaining about how bad the travel is in the league. Oh, schedule is it's terrible. And apparently, it's like thirty million dollars a trip. Oh, I can't imagine, dude. It's Unreal. Like, it's ridiculous. You know what the funny thing is? Is yesterday I'm like, who do we even played this week?
1: Yeah, I don't there's even. Been, I don't even know. There's been yeah. See, there's been so no much. Clue.
0: Focus on this battle, the last two games. I still have
1: the January calendar on my phone here. So, tomorrow,
0: I I looked yesterday. Tomorrow, we play San Jose, and then we play Nashville on Thursday. It
1: all seems kind of disappointing. When's the last time we played the Sharks this year? I think in the first, what, week or two? I don't even remember. They're having such a rough season. And then the last time we played the Preds was the Kachuk between the leg goal. So,. Yeah, man, like... Yeah, we played San Jose the second game of the year. I really hope we see a ba- a bounce-back game from the Flames. Like, like, come on. Yeah.
0: All right, so the plan is we'll be back on Friday. With a pod. With a pod, we'll too. Do... Because we got a game Tuesday, Thursday, so we'll recap those two
1: games leading us into the weekend. Yeah. So uh, this was a good one. I like this. You you put forward a nice little theory on Bradshaw Living. You've got me feeling a bit better. Yeah. Um... So, I'm fe- I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah. You know what?
0: I think the main thing we need to remind ourselves is that we have to take last season's success with a giant grain totally. of salt. Well, because it was not part of the plan. And I don't think that we can treat it as part of the plan
1: of where we should forward.
0: moving forward from there. We should stick to where we thought we should be and keep trying to build from well, there. Well, and
1: then to wrap up, I I keep kind of coming back to like the lightning. It's like... They've been one of the best teams in the league for a very long time, but there was a year that they missed the playoffs entirely. Yeah, like they made the East final, made the East final, missed the playoffs. It was like, what? What was that? So I think if you kind of like, right, you got to treat last season's success similar to how like they treated that season's failure, essentially. Right. And get back on track and stick with the plan. All right. Anything else? Thanks That's for listening. Thanks for listening, bitches. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.